<laughs> I need to call her that. I haven't yet. Yeah, I haven't called her that yet, so. Hi, friend. Yay, you had your girl. Was it fun? It's fun doing something with your hands and creative and fun. Good morning, everyone. Let's stand to our feet. Let's enter his courts with thanksgiving and his house with praise. And let's choose gratitude this morning, all right? All right, let's sing. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. I give thanks. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. And when I was down, when I was down, you brought me out. You set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God. My faithfulness. My solid rock. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks for all you have done. I won't forget all the battles you have won. Lord, I am grateful. Lord, I am grateful. Let's give thanks one more time. Here we go. I give thanks for all you have done. I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks for all you have done. I won't forget all the battles you have won. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. Lord, I am grateful today? Amen.
Come and worship the newborn King. Come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. He is with us. God is with us. Even now His love is here. Come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Newborn King. Is with us even now. His love is here. His love is here. Emmanuel. have a seat right now. Jen, welcome. Good morning, Solano Valley Church. I don't know why they keep letting me do this, but here I am again. So I think they, they know I'm a loose cannon up here. So let me take this off. I just want to welcome you this morning. Welcome to you on Facebook and YouTube. You guys are missing out. There's a lot of people in sweatpants this morning. Okay. They're trying to recover from Thanksgiving. Um, sorry, I had to throw that in there. I wrote that. I actually wrote that joke down. Okay. So anyway, I just want you to know, my name is Jen. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who saved me. He pulled me out of the muck and the mire and he put me here for a purpose on purpose. I am definitely not a perfect creation by any means. Those of you who know me know that. Um, but I am just grateful that he, uh, never left my side and continue to pursue me until I accepted him. So um, I'm here to, I have a lot of announcements. So we're going to start today with connection and service. Those are two of our values here at uh, Solano Valley, connecting and growing. Serving is growing. Those are two ways that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. If you want to know more about connecting in small groups or you want to know about ways that you can serve your church family, you can go to our SVC app. Um, if you don't have the SVC app, you can go to the Google Play Store or the App Store on the iPhone, and you can look up Solano Valley Church, and you will find it there. You can find all kinds of information about what's going on with church and different ways you can plug in and get connected. So I would highly encourage you to get connected in that way. We are so modern now. All right. Flip this the right way. Okay. So next week, Pastor Gary is going to be starting a new series on uh, Christmas stories. Who doesn't love a good story, right? They have a way of shaping us, especially when the story has an awesome message. And the Christmas stories told in the Gospels, they remind us of what's truly important in life. 
please join us for all five messages, and that will include one on Christmas Eve and the Sunday after Christmas. On the, by the way, Christmas Eve service is going to be in person this year at 6 p.m. here at church. We're going to be doing Christmas carols and, in, and doing some encouraging readings from the scripture as we intentionally come together to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to put him first this Christmas. All right. For our next announcement, I don't know if you guys noticed all the beautiful coats in the back there. We had like three barrels of food that are almost overflowing. I just want to say thank you, first of all. For those of you who don't know, we are doing a coat drive for the Levin Kids, which is a community partner that we have in Fairfield. They actually tutor and mentor young people um, every day after school. They also interject Jesus into that. So these kids can come after school. They have a safe place to go, and they learn about Jesus, and they get their homework done. And it's just a great partnership and marriage in our community. We um, have the honor of blessing these kids and these families with a brand-new coat. So if you're interested in bringing something in, we're looking for boys and girls, ages 5 to 12. Um, somebody, We're going to be collecting, I think, all the way through the end of this month. Um, and so that's an awesome way for you to serve and show love to these kids in our community. Another way that you can do that is by donating uh, some uh, non-perishable food items to the, the Contra Costa and Solano Food Bank, who is also one of our community partners here. Um, you can bring any canned item, any boxed item. They prefer nothing that's glass, um, and we are going to be collecting that through the end of the month as well. Both of those things, there's a flyer for them on the back table if you want to take that with you when you leave. Uh, but that is an awesome way to serve and to reach our community. Um, it is time for our offering. Right now we're going to continue our worship with our giving. Giving back to the Lord shows him that we trust him and depend on him and him alone. It reminds us that our security lies in Christ. There are five ways that we can give. That's a lot. Here we go. It used to be just a little bucket that passed around. Now there's five high-tech ways. Here we go. So we can go to online at www.solanovalley.org backslash giving. We can tap the word give on the SVC app. We can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road in Fairfield, California, 94534. We can text the word give to 707-883-3019. Or we have a silver slot on the back wall where you can just go ahead and slip your offering in there. Thank you guys so much.
what I do with Eleven. I just, I really appreciate all that you guys have done with like helping give away the the coats to little kids. It was just a joy watching the kids receive coats. Uh, and then also with what we're doing with feeding people who are hungry. It's just something I really appreciate. One of the things that we want to do is we really do, do want to be able to reach out in our community to people who don't know Jesus. And in that, um, uh, from that perspective, I just want to introduce you to something. Just came across this this morning because Kathy brought it today. Uh, yeah, yay, Kathy. And uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Our Daily Bread, but it's kind of a neat little thing that helps you with the reading of scriptures. But this is 10 Christmas reflections on Christ and community celebrating uh, Jesus. And Kathy was sharing with me as she came in this morning that this is a really good little thing that you can give to people who may not know Jesus, uh, may not yet believe. So uh, there are some of these on the back table. If you take one, please give it away to someone who doesn't know Jesus. You can read it first, and then you can give it away, so you can say, this is what it's about, and I liked it. But um, but just want to uh, tell you about that, encourage you with that. Um, you know, every day when I wake up, I have a choice to make, okay? I have a choice to make. And the choice I have to make every day is, will I complain? Will I be grumpy? Or will I be grateful and will I rejoice? And uh, this last week, I was reading a series of articles. By the way, you have the same choice I do. This isn't just a Gary thing. All of us have, you know, it's so, so, so funny. There's so many things that can encourage us to complain, that can encourage us to be grumpy. You know, I, I'm still recovering from my bike crash five weeks ago. My shoulders hurt both. My right shoulder was hurting before, but now both shoulders hurt, so it's hard to sleep at night sometimes. And, and so it's easy for me to, to complain about how I feel. Uh, or if you watch the news, if you watch the news, it is fodder for complaining. It really is. And, and I really think sometimes the best thing to do is turn off the news and open your Bible. I do. Because the Bible will teach you about a better life. And the news feeds uh, discontent and anger. And uh, just a, uh, this, it, it, it feeds the sense of moaning, griping, and complaining. And, uh, and so uh, that being said, every day, every week, we have a choice to make. Will we choose to complain and be grumpy or will we choose to be grateful and rejoice? By the way, by the way, articles I read this week. Articles I read this week. Uh, there's a guy named Travis Bradbury. Some of you are familiar with him. He is a best-selling author. He wrote Emotional Intelligence 2.0 and a number of other books. Uh, and an article I read by him, it was very, very fascinating. And he said this about complaining. He, he said, uh, repeated complaining. When you complain or I complain, every time I complain, it makes it easier for me to complain again. Every time you complain, it makes it easier for you to complain again. And when you do it the second time, it's easy to do it a third and then a fourth and then a fifth. And it becomes a way of life. And this is what he says. He says, repeated complaining rewires our brains. It actually changes the way you think. Repeated complaining rewires our brains to make future complaining more likely. Uh, over time, we find it's easier to be negative than to be positive, regardless of what's happening around us. In other words, things can be going really well. There can be a lot of things worth being grateful for. 
There can be a lot of things worth rejoicing in, but we'll find the one or two things that we think are worth complaining about. And it begins to shape us. It begins to shape us. Uh, He says, uh, complaining becomes our default behavior, which changes how people perceive us. Okay? I'm not sure that's what we should be concerned about, how people perceive us. I do think somewhat, as a Christian, you should be concerned about that. Because if people perceive you as a complainer, they probably don't perceive you as a Christ follower. That your defining ethos becomes your complaining and not who you follow. And, and, but, but what, what uh, Bradbury wasn't really talking about that, but he said, here's the kicker. Complaining damages areas of our brain as well. And I'm not a doctor. By the way, Rich, you can correct me on this later. But not in front of the church, okay? Uh, don't make me look like an idiot just yet. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm good enough at that, okay? Um, so he says this. Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus. Is that how you say it? Okay. Shrinks the hippocampus, uh, an area of the brain that's critical to problem-solving and intelligent thought. Damage to the hippocampus is scary, especially when you consider that it's one of the primary brain areas destroyed by Alzheimer's. So what I'm telling you is that if you are in the habit of complaining and being grumpy, it is really, really wise to find a better, play, a better way of living. Okay? Uh, related to this, I read another article. Uh, this one was published on Penn State's website, Joe. Uh, Penn State's website, uh, therefore it must be true. Uh, but what uh, actually I do trust uh, websites that have an edu at the end more than I do a lot of dot coms. Okay, uh, just me. But it was very very interesting. And one of the things that that, that it talked about is that uh, sometimes that complaining can uh, increase cortisol in the body. Any of y'all familiar with cortisol? Do you know what cortisol does to the body? Yeah, it's not it's not good. It's really not good. He says the increased cort- uh, cortisol by frequent complaining puts people at greater risk for, get this, higher cholesterol, diabetes, diabetes, uh, heart disease, obesity, and strokes. Many of the things that are killing many Americans. You don't want cortisol. You don't want to have a, a tiny little hippocampus, Okay. And complaining affects all of that. It has these uh, effects on us. Uh, now, in uh, uh, conversely, conversely, okay, that's the bad news. I'm, I'm sharing with you the bad news to get to the good news. Good news is this. Good news is this. Gratitude and gratitude, gratitude. <laughs> it's a new way of saying gratitude. Only the cool people say it. Okay, gratitude and being thankful uh, is it is really really good. For your, uh, for your mental health. It is, it, by the way, it can actually help people who are struggling somewhat with depression and anxiety. Now, sometimes people do need the help of a therapist. But being grateful can actually help your mental health. It can actually help your physical health. And it can help your, uh, your, your spiritual health as well. Uh, in an article I read from Healthline.com, it said this, it boosts our immune system, it improves our mental health, uh, it improves our relationships, and it increases our optimism. All of those are good things for us. 
Uh, and so these observations by Bradbury, these observations by uh, the, the one thing I got from Harvard Medical Review, uh, these observations and stuff are, uh, th- th- they're all well and good. But what does God say to us? What does God say to us about being grateful? And what does God's, God say to us about rejoicing? And today, what I want us to do, and we're going to do something different from what we normally do. Actually, we're doing several things differently. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Can you please stand? Unless you're physically unable to. Please stand. And today, what I'm going to do is, oops, that's the wrong message. We're going to read last week's message. We're going to read John chapter 17. It should be Psalm 100. Anybody know any good jokes? All right. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So what we're going to do, and I'm going to ask you to do this with me, and this may feel a little bit awkward for you, but today's a good day to step out of your comfort zones and do something that's really good for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to let the Word of God speak to us while we speak the Word of God. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to read this text with me, as you'll see it on the screen. This is in the NIV text. So if you have an ESV Bible or New American Standards, set it aside for just now, and let's read it together in the NIV. And what we're going to do is we're not going to read it one time. And we're not going to read it two times. We're going to read it three times. And the reason we're going to do that is sometimes when we read something the first time, we kind of are paying attention and we kind of get what it's saying. But when we read it a second time, we really start to get it. And when we read it a third time, we're definitely getting it. So we're going to read this together, okay? Uh, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Okay, a second time. Shout to joy or shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Okay, one more time, one more time. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to have you sit down, okay? Let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. 
uh, you deserve our gratitude. Uh, Lord, sometimes it's easy for me to take for granted a lot of things that I should be grateful for, like things like clean water, being able to have running water uh, that comes into our sinks. Uh, teach us, God, to be a grateful people. God, help us to, to, to alter our hearts with a spirit of gratitude, with a spirit of rejoicing. Lord, help us to humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save our souls. And we pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. Today, what I want to do is I'm going to share with you, um, I want to share with you, if I can, uh, four, four words of instruction. And then we're going to talk about how to put this into practice. Four words of instruction. They're very short, very simple. The first word of instruction is this. And when I say instruction, this is an imperative in the Hebrew text, which means it's a command. This is something that God is instructing us to do. This is supposed to actually shape the way we walk as we walk out the doors today. It's supposed to shape what you do the rest of this day. And it's supposed to shape what you do when you roll out of your bed in the morning, put your feet on the floor. It's supposed to shape you throughout the entirety of the next day and the next day and the next day for the rest of your life. And the first thing that God says to us is to shout joyfully. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, uh, the Bible says this kind of thing over and over again. In Psalm 95, just a little bit before this, the scripture says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Uh, A little bit later in Psalm 98, the, the, the scripture says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Now, real quick here, the Bible isn't telling us to shout to the Lord because he's hard of hearing, okay? Just so, just, you know, if this was my grandfather or grandmother, maybe, okay? Actually, if this were me now, uh, maybe, okay? Uh, but we don't shout, we don't shout uh, to, because God is hard of hearing. And we don't shout, shouting for joy isn't about being loud for the sake of being loud. It's not that, okay? And in shouting uh, joyfully to the Lord, it's not about making ourselves obnoxiously loud in the name of Jesus. That's not what it's about. Okay? Shouting for joy to the Lord is about... Well, hang on a second. Shouting to the Lord. Um, what this does not mean. Okay, what this doesn't mean. Gentlemen, this does not mean that you have to go home and grow out your hair like really long, like Mel Gibson and Braveheart. And for some of us, that's really good because we can't do that, okay? It doesn't mean we have to grow long hair. It does not mean you have to start wearing a Scottish kilt. It does not mean you have to pick up one of those big, huge Claymore swords that's five feet long and a 25-pound uh, King James Bible. It doesn't mean you have to yell with a battle cry. By the way, the word here, shout for joy, is sometimes translated as as a battle cry. Okay? But that's not really what shouting for joy to the Lord is about. It's not about being obnoxiously loud. But it's about making ourselves heard in our worship of God. Okay. It doesn't mean that 
you know, if you're sitting across the table from another person and you're going to pray over your meal, that you are supposed to, in Mary's Pizza, yell out with a great, you know, loud voice. It's not about that. It's not, it's not about making a scene. But it is about making ourselves heard in our worship of God. Now, why is that important for you? Why is it important for you to make yourself heard in your worship of God? And the reason that God wants you to make yourself heard in the worship of God is because other people around you need your encouragement. Your encouragement, your making yourself heard in your worship actually encourages other people around you to make themselves heard. So why do we need to make ourselves heard in our worship, in our worship of God? That we need to make ourselves heard because it is encouragement to other people around us, but it's also encouragement for you and me. See, when, when we make ourselves heard in, uh, in our worship, it does something in our hearts and our minds. It actually solidifies our worship as real worship. If we are being self-conscious about what other people think about us when we're in worship, we are no longer worshiping because we are self-conscious. Worship, it's impossible to be self-conscious and focused on God. See, if you're focused on God, you're not going to be self-conscious. Why? Because you're focused on Him. That's what worship is. And when we begin to make ourselves heard in our worship, we begin to sell ourselves free from the, what my professor in seminary used to say, the suck of self. And a lot of times, a lot of people, the reason that, that we find it hard to worship God is because we are caught up in this huge black hole in our hearts called the suck of self. And that's where our focus tends to be. Now, I know, I know, I know. There's a guy, he's a golfer, okay? Probably doesn't go to our church, okay? There's a guy, he's a golfer, and he says, well, Gary, I'm just not that kind of a guy. You know, I'm more, you know, I am more restrained. I, I am more, uh, I am, um, I'm not a real expressive or emotive guy, okay? Well, yeah. He's not that expressive. He's not that emotive in his worship. He's more restrained, just like he is on the golf course. And he hits the ball and shanks it like super bad, and he uses one of his golf words. You know what golf words are? Some of my golf words used to sound like profanity. Maybe a couple of them were, I don't know. But, you know, uh, that's the reason I ride my bike today, okay? Um, you know, you know, are you expressive and emotive when you play golf? Well, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. You're a golfer. You're a golfer. Uh, who is restrained, more self-restrained, more, less emotive, less, less expressive. And you, uh, you address the ball. Isn't that what you call it in golf? You address the ball. You know, you get up there. You get your feet just right. You know, you swivel your hips a little bit, your knees a little bit, you know. You know, and you, you do all that stuff, you know, and you kind of waggle the club a little bit. You do, I don't know. You do your little superstitious routine, all right? You, you have a very beautiful backswing. And you come through the ball sweetly. Just it, you hit the ball. 
It's a a par three. Did I say that? It's par three. It's a long par three. It's a long par three. I didn't say that. It's a long par three. It's a very difficult par par three. It is a a long par three with a very small green. Typically, you want to hit the green on a par three in your first shot. You want to give yourself two opportunities to get it in the hole with a putt. And so you've never reached the green on this hole in 20 years of playing this course. And you have this day the perfect swing. The trajectory of the ball from the club face is beautiful to look at. It is climbing, climbing, climbing perfectly, perfectly peaks and begins its descent. And it is beautiful to watch. You can see the ball. First time ever in 20 years of playing this course, approaching the green. The ball hits the green perfectly with just a little bit of backspin. This is, a, remember, this is the restrained person, you know, who's, you know, a little more, you know, he's a little less emotive, a little less uh, expressive. It hits the green perfectly, perfect backspin, and begins its roll towards the hole. It is uh, slowing down little by little as it's approaching the hole. It's slowing down little by little. It's slowing, it's slowing down, moving almost imperceptibly slow. And it pauses at the edge of the hole. 1,001. 1,002. 1,003. And then it drops, plops, hole in one. What is this unexpressive, (laughs) this non-emotive person do? Does he just kind of casually, you know, walk away? I think we hear a little bit of rejoicing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. In all fairness to all of our golfers here, all right, when I'm watching an Arkansas football game, and when they score a go-ahead touchdown to win the game, I'm loud. I am, okay? Sometimes we can get louder about things that have less significance and get quieter about things that have more significance. You see, shouting to the Lord for joy, shouting for joy to the Lord, it's not about being loud to be obnoxious or to be draw attention to ourselves. It's all about making ourselves heard in our worship of God. Okay, second, uh, second word of instruction here, worship gladly. Worship gladly. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. That, that we need to worship the Lord gladly. We need to... Um, we need to, uh, the word translated here in the NIV as worship is translated in the New American Standard Bible, also in the uh, English Standard Version, several other versions of the Bible. It is translated as serve. So which one is it, serve or worship? And the answer is yes. Okay, yes. That, that, that really, those two words together really express well what the psalmist is saying here is that we serve the Lord with our worship. Now, sometimes we refer to this as a worship service. 
We refer to it as a worship service. And sometimes people can attend a worship service as an experience that they consume for self-edification. But see, it's not about the church serving us in worship. It's about us serving God in worship. And it is serving God in worship with a glad and sincere heart. It's We worship God gladly. Gladly. Um, number three. Uh, third uh, third uh, word uh, of instruction here is know the Lord truly. Know the Lord truly. That the Bible says in, in Psalm 100 verse 3, it says this, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. But we need to know the Lord truly. And this is, this is really important. This is very important that we need to know the Lord truly. See, in our world today, people imagine that their opinion of God defines who God is and what God's like. And my opinion defines no one. And your opinion defines no one. We need to know God truly as God has truly revealed himself. What the Bible says, uh, God says this in Psalm 46. He says, be still and know that I am God. Now, why does he say that? Why does he say, be still and know that I am God? Because people have always been tempted to know something else or someone else as God. The people of Israel repeatedly, repeatedly abandoned God, drifted from God in their worship of idols, idols of pagan religions. And then sometimes they would practice something that that in seminary we called it, we called it syncretism. Okay, syncretism. And what secretism is, is this, is, is it's where we take this religion, this religion, and we try to bring it all together into one religion. By the way, do we do that in America today? Absolutely. We say all religions are basically the same. Well, if you ask a Muslim who is a true Muslim, if you tell him, oh, his God is basically the same as all these other gods, he's going to tell you, death to the infidel, okay? I'm not trying to be mean, but, but that phrase does come up from time to time, okay? Is it, no, 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 that's not what he just, if you say that to a Jew, who's a true Jew, he's going to tell you no. If you say that to someone who is a true Christian, who believes the Bible is actually the word of God, it is not my opinions that interpret scripture, it is scripture that should interpret my opinions. I need to know the God, I need to know God truly. There was a time in Israel's history where they did not know God truly. What they did is they began to try to combine the worship of a a pagan god of the Canaanites called Baal. Or some people say Baal. Uh, But if you're from the south, where all the Hebrews were from, it's Baal. Okay? And, and, uh, and, And what they did is they tried to combine the worship of Baal with the worship uh, of the Lord God revealed in the scriptures. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Israel. And so they began to bring these two together. And, um, and their spiritual condition plummeted. It was horrible, horrible time in Israel's history. By the way, it was also a time of great drought. Does that sound familiar? Time of great drought. 
Sometimes when people walk away from God, God judges the people. Not the final judgment, but a judgment. And what part of what that judgment can look like, sometimes it looks like drought. Did you know that? Sometimes it looks like pestilence. Sometimes it looks like foreign invaders. Um, they were under God's judgment. And so God raised up a prophet for them. His name is Elijah. By the way, the name Elijah means the Lord is God. Jehovah is God. Yahweh is God. That's what it means. And so Elijah, Elijah, God brought him to the, the northern kingdom of Israel. And he began to say to the people, he said, how long, how long, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then worship him. If Baal is God, then worship him. He says, I'll tell you what, this is what we're going to do. Bring out your 450 prophets of Baal. We'll go up to the top of Mount Carmel. By the way, I've been up to the top of Mount Carmel. Neat place. Beautiful place. I've seen the little statue to Elijah there commemorating this historic event. And, and he said, this is what we're going to do. Oh, Mount Carmel is significant and important. Why? Well, because it was home field advantage for the worshipers of Baal. Kind of like Mount Zion was the home field advantage for the worship of the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah. And so he said, we'll go to the top of Mount Carmel. You bring your 450 prophets of Baal, and then I alone will represent the Lord God of Israel. And what you'll do is you'll build an altar, and you will put a sacrifice on the altar. I will build an altar, put a sacrifice on the altar, and we will each, neither one of us will like the offering, but each of us will cry out to our God to send fire from heaven to consume the offering. And whichever God sends fire from heaven to consume the offering is the one true God. To one, the one true God. The people thought, well, that's a great idea. Let's settle this once and for all. Who is God? And so what, what God did, this is really funny. The, the prophets, well, it's kind of sick too, but um, the they can something can be sick and funny at the same time, all right? It, but what what happens was the, the the prophets of Baal they cried out to God from morning until noon, and Elijah starts to snicker. That's in the Hebrew, by the way, snicker, snicker. Okay, Elijah begins to snicker and he says, "Uh, yeah, you know, your God obviously is a true God. Maybe you should shout a little louder. Maybe your God is in meditation." Or maybe your God is busy. Interesting, interesting, interesting. That was like a little idiomatic phrase that means this. Idiom. You know what idiom is? Uh, you know, when you say one thing but meaning another. It, to be busy meant going to the bathroom. Okay? So maybe your God is busy. Maybe he's traveling. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, maybe he's asleep. And the Bible tells us that the, the prophets of Baal began to yell louder, and they began to slash themselves. This is what the Bible says. They began to slash themselves with swords and with lances till the blood flowed. That's what the Scripture says. And they did that from midday until the time for the evening sacrifice. And then Elijah said, okay, it's my turn. So he builds an altar with 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He lays some wood on top of it. He puts the sacrifice, the bull, on top of that. 
And he digs a trench around the altar. And then what he does is he says, I want several of you guys to go down, get some water, and bring it back. So several of the guys went down, got water, brought it back. He says, now I want you to pour it on the sacrifice. They poured the water on the sacrifice. He said, okay, guys, I want you to go down and get some more water. They went down, got more water, came back. He says, I want you to pour that on the sacrifice. So they poured it on the sacrifice second time. He says, okay, guys, I want you to go down and get more water. So they went down, they got some more water. They came back, he said, I want you to pour that on the sacrifice. The Bible says that water was dripping from the altar, from the sacrifice, from the altar. It actually filled up the trench around the altar. And then Elijah prayed a prayer. He prayed a prayer, and this is what he prayed. Lord, Lord, that was the covenant name of God with Israel. Lord, that's the the word Yahweh, translated as Lord. Uh, Some people... Anyway, Lord, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. The one true God, not the God of my choosing, not the God as I know him. And I mean, no disrespect to people who say that, but this is the one true God. He says, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. And that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. And after Elijah prayed that prayer, fire came down from heaven. It consumed the sacrifice. It consumed the wood. It consumed the stones. It consumed all the water from the trench and the dust of the ground. And you know what the people did? They began to cry out. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. It was a mini revival. Short-lived, but a mini revival. God wants us to know him truly. He wants us to know that he is God and there is no other. He wants us to know that he is our maker and he made us. He wants us to be his people. He wants to be our our, our shepherd. Fourth word for us today is this. Celebrate gratefully. The scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Um, The appropriate way to enter God's presence is always with gratitude. And with thanksgiving. It's with gratitude and with thanksgiving. Why should we be grateful to the Lord? The Bible tells us in in Psalm 100 verse 5. It says, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. Now real quickly, real quickly. This is not the end of the service. This is where we begin to worship. You have just been called to worship God. I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come back up. Let me share with you quickly five life points, and let me explain explain to you what we're going to do right now. Five life points. Number one, make this your five ways that you can take this text and put it into practice today. Okay? One is simply make the psalm your daily meditation. You can do that. It takes about, I don't know, how long did it take us to read it? We read it three times, and we read it, we did that maybe five minutes. Okay? But just read it daily. 
A second thing that we can do, script a personalized prayer based upon the text and incorporate it in our daily prayer time. It takes maybe two, three minutes to pray this text to God. Third thing that we can do, keep a daily gratitude journal. And uh, by the way, when I was preparing this message, first thing I did before I started working on the message is I sat down with a little notepad and I listed a hundred things that I'm grateful for. The reason I did that is because I felt like I needed some work, some practice before I came here on Sunday morning. And, you know, it was really interesting. When I began to list a hundred things, it came really easy. And then it got hard. And then it got easy again. I started thinking about all the things I don't normally give thanks for. You see, you know, in my home, we have running water. There are other people in other parts of the world, they don't have running water. I have clean water. They don't. That is something I rarely thank God for. I have a wonderful wife. I do. I have three fantastic kids. I, I, I have a wonderful church family. I have so many friends. I, I just, when I began making the list and I started getting to 100, I was kind of glad that I said I'm only going to do 100 because it just kind of kept coming. It was like, it started to become like an avalanche. As I began to think, and, and most of my gratitude was for people. It wasn't for things. You know, it wasn't for, I'm grateful for my cards, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for how God has provided for Faith to go to school at a very expensive school with a lot, a, 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 a lot of scholarships. But, but I just began to think and I began to list those things. But keeping a daily gratitude journal, starting your day, just list, you know, if, if it's hard, just begin with three things. Three things I can give you right now to give thanks for every day is, well, the Lord is good, His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all generations. There's three things right there. That's worth celebrating every day and giving thanks for. Maybe, you know, maybe do those three and then add two more to it. Jesus died for me. Jesus came. He came. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. He came, and He came as a sacrifice for my sin. God raised Him from the dead, and God has saved me from my sin. There's no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus. That nothing and no one can separate me from the love of God. In Christ, I am a new creation. Isn't that right, Jen? I am. And that's so exciting for us. That the old things have passed, the new things have come. I have so much, we have so much to be grateful for. If, if five is not enough, then list ten. And if you're an overachiever, you know, an obsessive compulsive, you can list a hundred things a day. All right? Well, I'm not going to do that. Ten is good. Okay? But keep a daily gratitude. Fourth, come together weekly. Every week. Every week. There's nothing better for you to do every day. Nothing better for you to do every day than give thanks to God and worship Him. That is the most important thing you have to do today. Give thanks and worship Him. That's the most important thing you have to do tomorrow. It's more important than going to work. It's better to worship God and give Him thanks and not go to work than go to work and not worship God and not give Him thanks. It is the most important thing for us to do every day. And coming together with the people of God every week to worship, that is a blessing that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ do not enjoy in other parts of the world. They do it in fear and trembling. We have to do it openly. Four ways, four life points, action points for life for you. Gratitude in general is good for our physical health, mental well-being, but being grateful to God, rejoicing in Him, is good for our physical, mental 
and spiritual well-being. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Worship gladly. Know the Lord truly and celebrate gratefully. Why? For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. So if you want to take over this little thing, I'll let you do that. You know, typically we just kind of close with the song, but today what we want to do is we want to sing a song, but we really want our song to be a song of worship, not just something we do kind of in a rote way. And then after that, we are going to actually celebrate communion. Uh, you know, in some traditions we call it, it's called the Lord's Supper. Some, com, uh, some traditions call it communion. Uh, in the Lutheran church and some other churches, they refer to it as the Eucharist. They call it the Eucharist because it comes from the Greek word Eucharisto, which means to give thanks. And that's appropriate when we take the Lord's Supper together, to give thanks to God for what Jesus has done for us. But we're going to sing a song and worship. We are going to give thanks and take communion together, and then we are going to sing a closing song and worship.
focus on, the month we celebrate, and remember the birth of Jesus. I'm just going to put that right there. The inability to retrieve a memory is the definition of forgetting. And sometimes we need things to help us remember, like calendars, like Siri, like Google, like Alexa, right? Here's a memory. Do you remember when we used to go to shopping malls? <laughs> Been a forever and a day, it seems like. But many shopping malls house a store called Things Remembered. And I actually Googled it, and they still have them. <laughs> These stores, um, they sell items that they engrave. And they put special names and dates on them to commemorate special occasions. These gifts... Um, If you've ever got one, you know they hold special memories. If you've received one, you know it. And people like to remember happy times, and they like to remember significant times. Memories are precious. They keep us connected to people and to places. They keep us connected to events that have shaped us and influenced our lives. There are some things we never want to forget. And if we're being honest, there's things that we wish we could forget. But sometimes even life's unpleasantries can offer lasting lessons learned through adversity. One thing for sure, we never want to forget what Jesus has done for us. Or we never want to forget the place he rightly deserves in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our conversations, in our homes, and in our lives. At the Last Supper, Jesus shared a meal with his disciples, and then he led them in the ancient observance of Passover. Jesus, the master teacher, used this opportunity to plant an important memory in his disciples' minds as they gathered in the upper room. Jesus shared the meal for their benefit, but not only for their benefit, but for ours. As Jesus raised the bread and the cup in the Thanksgiving, he added new significance to this meal. Luke 22 records that Jesus told his disciples to observe the Passover in remembrance of me. Jesus took an old symbol and filled it with a new meaning. The meaning of Jesus' words and actions is rooted in his command to remember. As Today's disciples, and that's who we are, followers of Jesus, 
we observe the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Christ. Some congregations, as as Gary mentioned, they call it maybe the Memorial Supper to highlight the significance of Christ's atoning work on the cross and the call to believers to remember his sacrificial death. Others call it communion to highlight the believer's intimacy with Christ. Here at Solano Valley Church, we refer to it as the Lord's Supper and communion, and we, re- we observe this monthly. Why? Why do we do that? Number one, Jesus told us to, and that's enough for me. If Jesus told me to do it, I'm going to do it. But also so that we can reflect on who Jesus is and what he has done. We also do this to honor him and to worship him. And we also do this so we won't forget. If we were to not do this for 100 years, it would would be forgotten. We have to come to the table every month and remember. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul gives instructions concerning the Lord's Supper, and in so doing, he reminds the Corinthians, as well as us, two things. Personal salvation in Christ and participation in the Supper carries both inward and outward aspects. Inwardly, participants are to examine themselves spiritually before taking the Supper. How is our heart? Is there any sin that's living in me that I haven't confessed? To do that spiritual inventory. And secondly, outwardly, as we take communion together, we proclaim the Lord's Supper and death until he returns. When we're doing this, we are proclaiming Christ's return. Observing the Lord's Supper carries personal significance because Jesus calls us to remember that he gave his body for you. It also carries personal responsibility for us to participate in reverence, in humility and sincerity, understanding, and proclaiming Christ's act of love. I'm going to ask you to come forward, this side to my right and this side to my left, and to to get the element. And as you're waiting in line, I encourage you to spend some time just reflecting and remembering. And then after you've seated, I will pray for us and we'll share the Lord's Supper together. So go ahead and come forward. Right now, I'd like to lead us in a special prepa- uh, 
prayer to prepare our hearts. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we come before you um, with grateful hearts. And when we offer our praise, we want to do so with a clean heart and clean hands. Lord, if there is any offensive way in us, any sin unconfessed, bring it to our mind. And then, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for willingly laying down your life so we might have eternal life. Today we remember and we worship you. In Jesus' name. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Lord, we never want to take for granted or forget all your wonderful ways. Thank you for stepping down into darkness and opening our eyes so that we can see. Today, God, we honor you and we worship you for who you are, all you have done, and the hope of a life spent with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carolyn. Church, let's stand together one last time. We kicked off the morning thinking about gratitude. We've been talking about it the whole time. Let's close out this morning with a grateful heart as well. This is the day. Let's sing, church. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And all your joy awaits my praise. Give thanks. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. When I was down, you brought me out. You set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand, you are my God, your faithfulness, my solid rock. And we give thanks. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks for all you have done. I won't forget all the battles you have won. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful.
Lord, I am grateful. One more time, church. We give thanks. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks for all you have done. Don't forget all the battles you have won. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. Thank you so much for being with us today. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.